Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please support this mission by subscribing to and rating the show on your favorite podcast channel, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else. By doing so, you'll help others find the help which just might save their life. Also, please help by sharing a link to the show on all of your social media channels every time a new episode drops. And always remember to recover out loud. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you spending your time with me today. There is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, just been working out how to go about it, how to have this conversation. It's so important, and I've touched on it in different ways, but I just wanted to consolidate my thoughts here for you today, and I sure would like to hear your feedback. So today we're talking about being wrong. I did a little Instagram live, and I thought, geez, I better dig a little bit deeper on this one. And to start today's conversation, just me and you today, I would like to read you a poem. I don't think I've ever done that before on the show, but I'm going to do that. This poem, which you may be familiar with in some way, is The Blind Men and the Elephant. Six Blind Men and an Elephant. And I hope that this poem gives you pause to ponder and to contemplate and to really digest how this affects you personally and how it translates into our lives. Because I believe there's a lot of wisdom here. The Blind Men and the Elephant by John Godfrey Sachs, way back in the 1800s. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side and once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling the tusk, cried, Oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, tis very clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up he spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most the wondrous beast is like is very plain, quoth he, Tis clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth, no sooner had begun about the beast to grope, 
Then seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. So these men of Bindostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, they all were in the wrong. So oft in theologic wars the disputants, I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean, and prate about an elephant not one of them has seen. I find this to be so incredibly important because we see all this division in our society, division along political lines, all kinds of lines, and everybody's so damn sure of themselves. And yet we don't stop to consider that none of us are omniscient. None of us have a great big broad spectrum of view, and yet our own arrogance can get in our way where we think we know better than everybody around us. And maybe in some cases you do. But even the experts get it wrong in their own field of expertise all the time. And why do you think that is? How is it that an expert with 30 years of experience and 10 years of school can be wrong? Well, the most likely way that somebody can be wrong, despite all their expertise, despite all their credentials, is ego. When you need to be right, you're just going to fight and argue. Now, the six blind men and the elephant, what would be the antidote? So each of them think they're right. One's got the tail, thinks it's a rope. Another one has got a leg, thinks it's a tree. The other one ran into its side, thinks it's a wall. One has the tusk and thinks it's a spear. So how do you solve that? Do you solve it by arguing louder that, no, this elephant is very like a spear? No, it's not. It's very like a rope. Well, which is it? Both are partly right. All are mostly wrong. So the only way to solve this puzzle is to not be so sure of yourself. To realize that what you are seeing and experiencing comes from a a very limited lens, very limited spectrum of, of awareness. And you could be wrong. You could have a limited view and not be aware of it. Some of the conversations that are out there are interesting. Let's talk about the flat earthers for instance, and just before you get started, I'm not a flat earther, I'm not. But there is value, believe it or not, in the flat earth conversation. Because it actually is a conversation. Every now and then there is uh, a bit of math that a flat earther will come up where I actually I don't have an answer. Now, again, I'm not a flat earther. I, I'm quite certain that uh, the world is a sphere, but I, I can't prove it but I believe it. So getting to that point right there where you believe something that you can't prove, 
that's the point where you have to admit and concede that it's not a fact. Like, I think it's probably a fact that, that we're living on a globe floating around in space. I believe that's true. But I can't prove it personally because I'm not an astrophysicist. So I have to listen to others who are astrophysicists or whatever the proper de- discipline is. And I got to believe them. So I'm believing what other people say are true. It's still faith. So my belief that the world is round and that it is part of a solar system and we're whipping around the sun and the, and the entire system is cascading throughout the universe, that's faith. I can't prove that any of it is true. I believe it's true. It's probably true. But other people are calling it facts. And I can't say if it's a fact or not. I believe it's a fact. But that's still a belief of a fact. So it's still faith. This, scientists get it wrong all the time. They change their mind all the time. Well, if we knew better, we'd do better. Well, that's what we thought then. But now we know that's not true. Well, but back when you thought it, you said it was a fact. And now the facts change? Facts don't change. Our perception of facts change. But facts don't change. An example that I'd like to share for those on the video audience, say there's this little square of paper here that's in front of me. And for those that aren't, just imagine a little three-inch by three-inch square in front of you. And imagine in that square there are three different shapes, a triangle, a circle, and a rectangle within that square. And these are living beings that are aware of each other. But they're not aware of you because we're in a third dimension and they are living in a second dimension. So from their perspective, the circle, the rectangle, and the triangle living in this little world, this two-dimensional world, they see each other and all they see are lines. So there are different sizes. So there's the short one, the middle size one, and the longer one. And these are the three beings in this world. They can't understand that they aren't three lines of different length, that they're actually a circle, a triangle, and a rectangle. They have no ability to understand that. And yet us, from the third dimension looking in, can see it quite plainly. So how this translates to us, our awareness in the visual spectrum is less than 1% of the full spectrum. Now, I, I'm open to be corrected on that. Uh, maybe it's 5%, but let, let, let's just uh, say it's 1%. Let's just round it at 1. It doesn't really matter. It's very little is the point. These full-spectrum light, whether it be infrared or, or whatever, is beyond our ability to perceive. We can't see it. We can't perceive it. So how much more is out there? Think of it like a radio. On a radio, you can only listen to one station at a time, and it's got to be tuned just right for anybody that uh, remembers a radio with an actual dial on it. So when you're looking for your favorite uh, station to listen to the hockey game, you got to be so careful, and you got to be in range of the signal as well. Now, the radio can't listen to all the frequencies at the same time, and you can't hear them all, they're, but they're all there. 
So you're unaware of the other 20 stations that are floating around in the air. You need this radio to, to hear it, and it's got to be dialed in just perfect. That's how we are with our level of perception. We're like a radio. There's all kinds of signals around us that we do not detect, that we do not perceive. Our awareness of the world around us is very, very limited. So when we say this is how it is and this is a fact, be slow to jump to that conclusion because you might be right and you might be wrong. Either way, we are not nearly as aware and as wise and as advanced as we like to pretend that we are. So how this translates to our lives. How many arguments have you either witnessed or been in personally because you wanted to be right? Maybe it was about politics. Maybe it was about religion. Those are usually the biggies. But how many arguments, how, how much conflict have you either witnessed or experienced personally because you were so damn sure that you were right? Think back on that for a second. How many arguments were there? Probably a few. That is a starting point, is first being aware that maybe I'm not right and being okay with that. You see, when we need to be right, when we really need to be right, that's a weakness in ourselves. That's a weakness where we need the affirmation of being right. Now, it's natural, but it's not healthy. It's natural to want to be right, but it's not healthy. The number one human emotional need, as I've often said, is affirmation. When somebody says, oh, you're right, it gives us that affirmation, but it does more than that. It strokes the ego that tells us we're better than the person that's wrong. I'm smarter than you. Therefore, I am better than you. I am more valuable to the planet than you. Now, of course, this isn't in the frontal cortex so much, and this isn't, um, if you were questioned on it, do you need to be better than other people? Ah, no, no, no. But maybe that is what's going on, because that's the ego. That's what the ego does. The ego needs you to be better than others. That's why you need to be right. If you need to be right, you need to be better than others. Also, let's think about when people are defensive, why are you defending your point? Why do you need to be right? Well, why does a castle have big walls and a moat to protect it from invaders? If there, were, if there was no threat of invasion, the castle wouldn't have big walls. There wouldn't be a, mo- a moat. There wouldn't be a drawbridge. If there was no threat, you wouldn't have an army because you don't need one. There's nothing to defend. An uncle of mine, won't tell you where he lives, but um, an uncle of mine, they've been in that house for about 40 years, 43 years that I can remember. And in 43 years, they've never locked the front door. 
Never. Probably couldn't even tell you where the keys were. And the the lock is probably rusted open. Never locked the door in 43 years. Why do you think that is? Because there's no threat. As you move closer to town and the crime rate goes up, it's more likely you're going to have the door locked. As you get into town, depending on the neighborhood you're in, maybe you're going to have two deadbolts, maybe three. If you're in a really dodgy area, maybe you're going to have a bar across the door and a Rottweiler. The more vulnerable you feel, the more you raise your level of defense. So if you find yourself or others arguing their point and not letting you even get a word in edgewise, and they're so adamant about making their point, about being right, you have to, well, you don't have to do anything. But I would invite you to consider that they don't actually have a lot of confidence in what they're saying. If you are truly confident that you are correct, then why would you argue with a fool who's arguing with you? Why would you argue that the sky is blue when somebody else is screaming that it's yellow? You can see that it's blue. Just leave it alone. Well, okay. You think it's yellow? You do you, man. You do you. Let them think it's yellow. Why do you need them to think it's blue? Why the conflict? So it's a decision. What's more important to me? Peace and harmony in my life and with others or being right to stroke my own ego? Anyway, I hope this is useful. I've been struggling to put this together for, for a while. I just, if you are in conflict, I invite you to take a pause and a breath when you are in conflict to realize, why am I trying to make my point here? What, why am I choosing to die on this particular hill? Is it really necessary? Who's benefiting from this? Do I really need to be fighting for this? Why am I trying to change somebody else's mind? Is there a weakness within me that needs me to do this right now? Why am I doing this? Why am I arguing with a total stranger or a family member or anyone, really? Let others think whatever they want to think, and you think whatever you want to think. And if somebody wants to grow, they will grow with curiosity. And they will ask questions. But if somebody isn't asking you, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think the sky is blue or yellow? Well, I think it's blue. Interesting. How come? And just talk about it. And then agree to disagree or... Maybe somebody will change their mind. That's okay. But don't get too, I would suggest that being too sure of yourself, regardless of your expertise, of your education, of your experience, being too sure of yourself is a weakness. And it is a lack of wisdom. And if nothing else, I hope this conversation gives you pause for thought and contemplation. And again, I welcome your thoughts. I welcome your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. Please let me know what you think of this conversation. And please join the conversation by providing your feedback. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it.
You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Tremor Recovery Podcast. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.